Welcome to Finding the More Ministries, where our mission is to inspire everyone to experience the exceeding abundantly more that Jesus has promised. We trust that our podcast will not only challenge you, but encourage your spirit to go deeper into God's Word. And now for today's speaker. And so if we take and we look in the Bible... Nowhere does it say that we're to be sugar. Nowhere in the Bible gives us an example or a parable or any paraphrase that says that we are to be sugar. But if you look in Scripture, there is several times where salt is utilized and where we are compared to salt. So let's talk about it for a second. So what would you say about sugar? What would be something that comes to mind when you think about sugar? Sweet. Sweet. That's exactly right. Sugar is sweet. So what do you think about when you think about salt? Preservative. Adds flavor. Yeah. Okay. So when you look through Scripture, looking through the text, the Old Testament, there actually is a few references. So when you look in the New Testament, there are a few references to sugar, or should I say to sweet. And all of those have to do, there's six verses, and they refer to we are, we are a sweet savor unto Christ. But it does not refer to us as sugar. It says we are a sweet savor unto our Christ. It says nothing about for us to be sweet. It also tells us in those six verses that no sweet and bitter cannot come from the same fountain. And then the word sweet in the Bible says that the word of God in the Old Testament was sweet in his mouth but became bitter in his belly. I think that's a very interesting thought, right? We don't think much about when you taste something sweet, then it becoming bitter in your belly. But it's when it hits your gut, when it hits your core. What seemed like sweet words were now bitter words. So when we look at Leviticus 2.13, it says, The offerings were seasoned with salt, not lacking. So the offerings that they made before the Lord were not seasoned with sugar. They were seasoned with salt, and it said it was not to be lacking in salt. So if it's not to be lacking, that lets me know that that was a key ingredient. That, that was key for the salt to be present in the offering that was given. In 2 Kings 2, 20-21, we learn that they healed the bitter waters with salt. Have you ever had bitter waters? Maybe within. To be healed with salt. So I thought that was rather interesting. So then we come to the New Testament and look for salt. And it tells us in Matthew 5.13, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, 
but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. So tonight, what we're going to talk about is are you salty? Are we doing the things that make us the salt of the earth? Are lives an example that we are the salt of the earth as we were called? Or are we good for nothing but to be trodden underfoot? Seems a little harsh, don't it? But guess who spoke those words? Jesus. That's exactly right. Jesus spoke those words. If we look over at Mark 9.50, he explains it this way. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltiness, wherewith will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. So when we have salt within ourselves, then we can have what with one another? Peace. Peace with one another. I don't know about you, but I, I wouldn't want Jesus to look at me and tell me I'm good for nothing, right? So, so let's look and break it down, kind of what that means. In Colossians 4, 6, it says, Your speech should be with grace, seasoned with salt. It's interesting, right? Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. So if we're speaking with grace, seasoned with salt, where do you think that salt comes from? From him. Jesus is who gives us our saltiness. And like most things, the world has kind of corrupted what being salty means. And to the world, sometimes we look a little salty or sassy by their terminology just because we stand firm on what we believe in the truth of God. So the world today just wants us to be sweet, right? Is there something wrong with us just being sweet? <laughs> it's not what we're called to be, right? So let's look at some of that. So if you look at the word sweet, it says pleasant taste, such as sugar or honey, and this is what I found interesting. In the definition specifically, it says not salty. There you go. So specifically, it tells you you are not salty if you are sweet. So we're not being the salt of the earth if all we are is sweet. So if you look at it, it says pleasing to the mind or feelings, being agreeable. So when we're only sweet, it means that we're pleasing to the mind or pleasing to others' feelings, and we're simply just agreeable. Well, it would be nice to just be agreeable, right? But if we're just agreeable, are we standing on the truth? We're not. And we can't really love people if we're just being agreeable. I mean, be honest. Are we really loving someone if we let them fall off a cliff? If somebody's talking to you and they're walking backwards and they're getting too close to the edge and we say nothing, do we love them? 
know and what the world doesn't realize, that's what we're doing when we share the truth with them. So in Romans 12 and 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. When we're just being agreeable to everyone, we're conforming to this world. And God specifically told us not to conform to the world as his children. So now we've looked up sweet, right? So we're going to look up, what's our next definition, you think? Salt. There you go. So salt, if you look it up, it says used to season or preserve food. It gives savor or zest. Okay? So you know me. I don't assume that I know what words mean or exactly how they're supposed to be explained. So I'll look up savor. It's a, it's a rabbit hole you fall down sometimes. So you look up savor. And in savor it says to have a specified, uh, hard word to get there, to have a specified smell or quality to give flavor to. A specified smell or quality to give flavor to. Well, guess what? If we look over... In Titus 2.14, it says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. So we are to have zeal. We are to be zealous of good works. His peculiar people. Which, interestingly enough, is what we're supposed to have. So if you look up zest, it says great enthusiasm and energy. Energy means to be burning with zeal. You see how this all starts tying together? So when we're the salt of the earth, we will be zealous. Therefore, we will be enthusiastic about what we have in Christ. And we will enthusiastically be sharing it. And we'll be adding savor or flavor to those around us. Have I lost you yet? We good? All right. You know, sometimes I get through my definitions first before we get started too far. So, my question in this to us is, we realize what's sweet versus what's salt, right? We understand that we are to be savory. We're not to just be agreeable. So, with that in mind, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? So, my question to you tonight is, are you salty? Well, I don't know if you are aware, but your body can go into really crazy medical conditions when your sodium is out of balance. When your salt is off, your body can, can, you can feel like you're dying. We've had, you know, people come in that we thought something very drastic had to be wrong and everything came back perfectly fine except for their sodium was way off. So it had to be balanced. So tonight what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about what happens to the body when your sodium's off. But also how that reflects what may be happening with our spirit if we're not salty.
So if we look at the body and we look at low sodium, if our sodium is low, if we don't have enough salt, it can come from too much water in your body. Yes, there is a point you can drink too much water, but rarely do anybody ever get there. <laughs> because if there's too much water in your body, it dilutes the sodium in your bloodstream. So now let's take about that and let's think about it spiritually. Are you watering down the Word of God? Are you spiritually low in sodium because we're watering down the Word of God? We're adding too much water to it to make it pleasing and agreeable to other people. If you look in 2 Timothy 4.3, it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap for themselves teachers having itching ears. You know why they have itching ears? Because they long to hear the things that please them. You know what tickles me to death in Scripture? And it sounds funny because when I first read it, I thought that can't be really what it means. But it's really what it means is that there were times in Scripture they so much did not want to hear the truth that they put their fingers in their ears. And I thought, really? They acted like little children, and they so much despised the truth and liked the watered-down version that had been going around that they were putting their fingers in their ears to keep from hearing the truth. It's that la, 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 la. It's kind of like the day and time we live in right now that they say, oh, don't give me those statistics. I know what I know. I don't want to hear your facts. I know what I feel. See, but the truth is we can't go by how we feel. And if we begin to water down the Word of God, then we are no longer salty. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to stand before God and have to be told that I was good for nothing on this earth because I chose to water down the Word to make friends. So when your salt is low... Your sugar can increase. So for diabetics, that's a, a big thing. So when your sugar goes way up, your sodium can drop. So where do you think we're going to go with that next? Just think about that spoonful of sugar. That's what it made me think about. It made me think about Mary Poppins. The spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. But you know what? If you look it up, if you add sugar or sweet things to syrup, medication so kids will take them it leaves a really bitter nasty aftertaste after they get it down that they can't get out of their mouth mm -hmm. so when we try to sugarcoat things we try to sugarcoat our sins we try to sugarcoat the actions of our loved ones when we do those things we're not being salty it means our salt's actually being low because now we're taking the time to sugarcoat. Which, what does it really mean to sugarcoat? You, you generally cover up. Generally, you're telling what we, we would like to say that makes us feel better. Just a, a little lie. It's just one of those little tiny lies, you know. It's not an important one. It don't really matter. Yeah. You know, 
But if our salt is where it's supposed to be, salt can be a hard thing. If you ever ate something that's oversalted, we'll talk about being oversalted in a minute, it can really get to you. But salt's hard. You ever seen them try to beat down salt rocks or even your grinders at home? Do you see those little things? That's a lot of grinding that goes in to break down a crystal, a salt crystal down. So if you look in John 6, 60... The people are leaving Jesus. And I found this was very interesting. So in John 6, we're going to start around 53 here. And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in them. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. That is that bread which came down from heaven, meaning Jesus is the bread that came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Now listen. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So he's telling this in the synagogue. So who's in the synagogue? The priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the holy people, right? The righteous holy people or who's supposed to be in the synagogue, right? They didn't let just anyone go be in the synagogue and listen to the teachings. And then you come right down to verse 60. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Jesus asked them, Did it offend you? If you read further down... Because he knew their hearts. He said, did what I say offend you? And if you read further down, the disciples are saying, this is a hard saying. And there's times through the New Testament where they looked at Jesus and they're like, we can't get, this is too hard. Have you ever had a point in your life where you looked at Jesus and said, this is too hard? I'm not going to pretend like I'm holier than anyone else. I have. I've had a meltdown where I sat in my floor and just cried and said, why does everything have to always be hard? And it's usually not even the big thing. It's usually something very simple. I remember when I was going back to school, I had to retake a math class because I'm old enough that I went to college when I first started and you did four quarters. Well, now they do three semesters. So if you did quarters, it didn't equivocate up to enough credits. So I was going to have to retake college algebra after all these years. And now new college algebra is not real algebra. It is how to use a massively confusing calculator. It has nothing to do with really knowing numbers. It's how to use a calculator. That is way too confusing with way too many buttons. And I thought, you know what? I'll just do it online. I, I was working full time. I had my family. We had church, all these things. I was like, I'll just do it online real quick. 
And so I signed up, got in the online class. I thought, yes, this is great. Just my, I can do this online. I can learn how to use this calculator and do all this. Logged in my first day, and the teacher said we were going to have to write three papers a week explaining the mathematical principles we were going to read about. Who signs up for college algebra and has to write three papers a week? I was like, oh my goodness. I hate writing more than I hate having to figure out a calculator. I'm getting ready to do a whole year of nothing but writing. And it was just like all of a sudden, it just it was that little paper that I was reading that everything just seemed to crash around me. I had had everything else planned. I knew how I was getting everything else. This was the last minute. I had to get it this semester to start in the fall. And I sat my honey in the floor. You know, la, 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 la. I sat my honey in the floor and I said, why? Why does everything have to be hard? Jesus, could you not just once, just one time, make something be easy? Is, am I really that bad? <laughs> and that's how it happens. It's a hard thing. Jesus didn't change. His grace didn't change. His ability to get me through that situation didn't change. As a matter of fact, two days later, I was in a real class, in a real classroom, getting the work I needed with a teacher who showed me how to use the calculator. He fixed it all. But sometimes when things happen and they're hard, just like they couldn't comprehend that Jesus was the bread from heaven, and they couldn't comprehend what he meant to drink his blood and eat his flesh. It was just so hard for them that even the disciples was like, this is a hard saying. Now, Jesus could have added a little sugar on it, right? No, no, no. Let me explain exactly what I mean by this and what this is going to entail. But he didn't. Because we have to learn that sometimes things are just hard. And we have to be able to take the hard word or we're not going to change. And we can't be afraid of people who may walk away because it's too hard for them. That doesn't mean we give up on them. That just means we pray for them. But if we do a spoonful of sugar to help it go down... We're doing them no favors because then when the next hard thing comes, guess what happens? They fall away again. They walk away, right? We have to help one another. We have to be salty. We can't be low on our salt so we can help each other. The next thing is if you have low salt in your body, low sodium, it can lead to heart failure. So what do you think that does to your spirit if we're in heart failure? <laughs> it means that we've lost our love, right? When we go into heart failure spiritually, we've lost our love. And what has God asked us to do repeatedly? Love. To love, to love one another. And if we are God's and God is love, 
then we have love in us. We have to love others. In 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, he says, If we have not love, we're like sounding brass. Have you ever heard somebody knock over a bunch of cymbals or drums and how it crashes and it's just a bunch of sounding metal clanking and hitting one another? Is that pleasing? No, it's harsh. See, we're not called to be harsh. We're called to be salty. So if we go into heart failure, it means we've lost something. And once again, something came to my mind. So it's going to get stuck in your head, and I want you to join me because I need you to sing it with me. Here you go. You've lost that love and feeling. <laughs> that old song kept playing through my head. <laughs> so I want you to think about that. If you start to feel like you've lost that love and feeling, are you not being salty? You know how we get back our salt? We get in the Word of God. We let Him replenish us and provide for us. And in Ephesians 4, 31-32, it tells us that we're to put away all bitterness from us. All bitterness from us. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Right? So, next time, you just ain't feeling yourself, and you want to do a sodium check, if you find yourself singing a spoonful of sugar or I've lost that loving feeling, you'll know your sodium's a little bit too low, right? So what's our next thing that can happen? The Finding a More family would like to thank you for connecting with us today. You can find us at www.findingthemore.org or any of our social media platforms at Finding the More. Our prayer is that you experience the more in Jesus.